Hello everyone, welcome to episode 3 of the Ginger Youth Podcast. My name is Daniel, and as usual, I'm joined by Julia, Shauna, and Archie. Hello. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Porsche Syndrome. I thought it would be good to spend just a couple of five minutes going over the news or anything interesting that you guys have seen over the past week. Yeah. Elon Musk bought Twitter. That's what I saw. Dead. He literally brought a sink into the office with the line, let that sink in. I thought that was a joke. It's so a tweet about that. But he did actually bring the sink <laughs> into the Twitter HQ, yeah. That joke's about four years out of At least. Yeah. It's was Elon Musk. Jerry, oh. that is true. Shade on the podcast. You're going to get banned from Twitter. <laughs> Let's go south. It's a dad joke, isn't it? Yeah. It hasn't went well, I don't think. It's not went particularly well. What, the joke or him taking it over? Him taking it over. Yeah. Hundreds of staff. Yeah, then he, then he had to get them back. Oh, He's asking them back because he, he made a massive lapse in judgment. Yeah. What, um, I saw something like they were suing him because they didn't give them 60 days or something like that. Yeah, right. I don't know the exact number, but there's a lot of money, I think, mm. for rich people problems. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else has seen this. Uh, you guys are familiar with Jessica Wall? Yes. I don't, I don't know if still currently or if she's just on her own. But yes, same person. Um, she used um, the AI to Dali. Dali, I think, to effectively rebrand. I can't remember exactly what it was for. I'll put the link uh, in the description so that listeners can look at it for themselves but from what I can remember it was like nuclear, a nuclear power campaign I think oh really yeah for like all, of all places I think a Brazilian influencer I should... so bizarre so niche that is niche if that I mean if that's what influencers do nowadays is nuclear yeah campaigning influence about nuclear power I know I don't know but also the money that's a lot of money it's a, yeah a lot of yeah. so big bucks especially to get that but yeah, she used the AI tool to produce uh, brand refresh, a new website, and an extended asset library. What of new? So surely there's photos that she could have used. Why did she have to use AI? Um, I don't know if it was just yeah designing around the concept of creating a school in another dimension. Um, whether why she used AI, I don't know. I don't know if it's just because it's quite new. Yeah, she might and interesting, and, and it does make it for a talking point. Yeah, she might have known it would have been yeah school stuff. I think. Knowing Anne Walsh, I don't think they would have done it out of laziness. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those, if you're, it's a new technology. Yeah. And I'm not quite sure who she is. She is like one of the best designers in the world, would you say? Yeah. Well, her agency, yes. Yeah. Okay. I don't know how much of the work she does now, but I think along with Paula Cher, like the two. Yeah. Queens of design. Yeah. And for those who don't know, what is Dolly Daniel? Uh, don't really know how to describe it. It's it's a type. I wouldn't even say it's an image generating software. So basically, what it is is like AI, and you give it a text prompt, prompt, and it spits out images. Imagery that, that doesn't exist in real life. Yeah, that doesn't exist. And the more in depth you with the description, the better result you get. And I had a toy around with her a couple of months ago just as a laugh nothing serious and some of the things that you can get it to make are scarily close to real life there's some you get yeah some are very bizarre we tried it with making Leonardo DiCaprio in clown face paint uh, something like that it was some 
windsurfing with yeah plant. holding a monstera plant um in the alps and it did generate yeah. your um my worst nightmare for yeah. generations <laughs> and there's not a picture of that in real life no i hope well, i mean we don't know what leo does in his spare time yeah yeah in the in the style of royal lichtenstein lichtenstein yes did create your um what's the word can't remember the word now. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sleep paralysis demon. That was yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen him in my dreams. I've not seen the image, have you? I don't want to see the image if it has sleep paralysis demon in the title. It works in very weird ways. Yeah, I need to go back and give it another try. Yeah, could I do something like Ed Sheeran Bold? Is that something? It, it's... It can't it seem to like people. people. Oh, really? I don't think the algorithm knows what people... It, it's a pretty good thing. It gets the rough idea. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, you could say, like, man or woman or, like, mm. child of ginger hair, but you can't say, like, Ray Winston. Yeah. Like, he doesn't he doesn't seem to know who, like... How did that make you into your head, by the way? <laughs> what? Ray Winston. Of all people. He's my default celebrity. <laughs> but it does have some uses. Yeah. You could use it as stock if you want. It makes um, 3D renders really well. I think the further away you get from realism, the more convincing it is. Um, and if it's things that are a little bit... If, as long as it's not human faces, it gets quite difficult to tell if it is fake or real. So, yeah, I'll just have another play with it soon. It's probably a topic worth actually investigating yeah, further down the line because there's a decent amount to talk about it um, scary stuff yeah yeah doesn't help when people are using it for actual work in the agency makes that imposter syndrome really ramp up yeah yeah speaking yeah. of what speaking of which the segue yes, yes. <laughs> don't you know i'm a podcasting pro now yeah <laughs> imposter syndrome pretty sure everyone has or currently has it and I think the first question I wanted to start off with to ask everyone was do you have you or do you currently have symposium syndrome uh, I've got and I've got three breakdowns of what that is so feel free to choose whichever one is the most applicable so we've got the feeling that other people have an inflated perception of your abilities a fear that your true abilities will be found out or if Persistent tendency to attribute successes to external factors such as luck or disproportionate effort. So we've got the feeling that you aren't good enough, the feeling that you're a fraud, or that you have got by on luck alone. That's in interesting. Yeah, it's interesting how it's broken down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or all three. Yeah, you've got the old. Yeah, please select all. So which one do you think applies to each of you? I think for me, it would be the fear that I'm not good enough. I remember when I first started this job, I had no experience. And in your CV, you're like, yeah, I can do all of these things. But then and you can. But then when you're actually working, you're always, you always have that thought in the back of your mind that you're not as good as the people you're working with. You don't have as much experience and that you carry um, on for months, really. Uh, 
Do you still feel like you have that? Yeah, sometimes I feel like it's not something that goes away. You always kind of have this fear that you're not as good as anybody, any, everyone else. Do you feel that it comes in like waves? Because that's what I get. I'll go through a period of everything I like, everything I'm making that I like, I think everything's really good. And then all of a sudden it would just take a dip. And then for maybe, I don't know, a couple of weeks, won't really be happy with anything. But I don't know why it seems to come and go in waves. It's never just a constant baseline feeling of fraud. It's that you think you've escaped it and then all of a sudden it just... But is that because you're progressing? I mean, maybe. I don't know. I've never really thought about it that way. Because if you're, if you keep moving that goalpost, like you're getting better and better and better. Yeah. That's probably the reason. That's probably the best way to look at it. Yeah, Yeah. it's the healthy way. But I think, I mean, I tend to look at other people's work, which is probably not a good thing. Because the amount of times you look for inspiration on Pinterest, on Dribbble, on Behance, you look at design inspiration and then you can't help but just look at people's work. Of course, why? I think it's better than yours. Yeah, but you don't know their background. They might be 20 years older than you. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing. And, and I think that's like the issue with social media as well, which we'll talk about. Yeah. It's just like um, comparing anything to anything is bad. Comparison is a thief of, thief of joy. Oh. Deep quote. Deep quote. Comparison is a thief of joy. There's a great quote there. Yeah. Mm. Very true. Especially for like Instagram. That becomes like a bit of a soulless pit when you're on there for too long. Yeah. Especially if you're already, like you said, like this wave. So if you're in like a like a dark point, not dark point, we get what I mean. Um, and you're already on Instagram and you've posted something that you're really proud of. And then you're seeing, oh, I've only had like five people like it in two days. Whereas I've just seen all this amazing stuff that's got thousands of likes. People are resharing their stuff. They're engaging. Why aren't, why don't people like mine? I must be an awful designer. Yeah. I'm yeah. rubbish at my job. I'm going to get fired. Never going to be employed again. I just become like <laughs> a deep spiral. Get 100 likes on Instagram. Yeah. I'll be cutthroat. Savage. Yeah. But but it's not really something you can control because you're always on social media looking at stuff. So what would you say is the way to prevent this, especially on social media? I think for me, I used to really get sucked into like the comparison on like design Instagram um and really get like not stressed but like an awareness or like a bit anxious about oh I should be doing more on Instagram I should be really dedicating more time to just being on there and being active so people can see my work so I can get this engagement because this seems to be what I thought was successful and then it's just like obviously as you get older this was at uni that I had that kind of feeling just because that's all you're exposed to is people around you who are students too, who are making work, getting likes, getting engagement. And you just feel like you need to compete with that. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, just graduating and then going into an industry and realizing that actually social media likes is like not a metric of success. Unless you're in marketing, unless that's an actual like KPI and an actual measurement that you're use it, using, then it, it's meaningless because I don't really use my design Instagram I post things occasionally on there um so if you were just looking to look at that you would think oh 
there's nothing really going on there but it's not that i'm not successful yeah i think with social media as well you see the hype you see the highlights you don't see the, yeah, like, the bad work no no, yeah. no one posts the crap on us that's that's how the algorithm works you see the most liked you see the posts with the most likes the interaction mm. so of course you're going to see great work but i think the main thing is that they found their audience yeah. like they they have a they have people which like what they're putting out so of mm-hmm. course they're going to constantly like stuff yeah and also i think there's an you have to have an awareness of things that do well on instagram like a design don't necessarily communicate the thinking and the research and the hours and hours of time that goes into that i think we were speaking yesterday was it about um the mastercard rebrand from pentagram yeah and that was so criticized online for oh it's the same logo essentially but that's a really good point of you can't see the research and just the hours of time and insights and market research and all of this really valuable stuff it doesn't communicate to on instagram because you can't put that in a quick caption yeah. and people don't want to read it when it is a lengthy caption yeah Even from a, a visual point of view i think we communicate pretty much visually so yeah. and it's really difficult to visually show um the, the comms part the research of all that and all of the things that go behind the scenes on a rebrand yeah that doesn't translate well to an instagram post whereas if you see something that looks really nice and i think this got brought up at the conversation yesterday it's a really cool let's say let's say the logo that was brought up for example crab shark oh yeah when people yeah. just make logos okay you, you've raised a crab and a shark or one that i'd seen before was um a golfer and i think it was a spartan helm and they used the swing to make sense That's very cool. It looks that cool. It's <laughs> very niche. Mm. So, unless you have a company that's called that, it's kind of all style over substance. It doesn't really have a function. It's, yeah. Its only purpose was to be designed to be shown to other people. To look good. Yeah. yeah. That was my naive impression before I came to a creative agency like Gingery. I was that person to say, oh, that looks cool. What a good designer. But as you say, there's no background and... Like you, you were saying, Sean, that the hours that you put in to be able to um, put across the message this brand wants to say in an image is incredible. It's mad. Yeah, I think it it really comes down to like form follows function. I know that's like what's drilled into you at uni. Yeah. Um, but once you're actually in the industry, you kind of it really does help pull you out of that Instagram social media comparison hellscape. Because you realise actually, there's there's nothing behind it. It's just a pretty image, and that's not to say that everyone who's a successful Instagrammer, Instagrammer, I don't know no. what the term is, is like that. Obviously, there's meaning research, all that stuff behind their work, but a lot of it is just it just looks good yeah. and it performs well in an algorithm. We done that. We done the BP and Star Wars logo, which yeah. the redesign. Visually, but cool, but didn't really have any reasoning behind them. No, it was just a creative logo because yeah. it looks cool. There was no, wasn't really any. There was no calm strategy behind that. It, was, it wasn't clever. It was done because it looks cool, and it seems to have done well on the, the algorithms. Yeah, yeah. On the Gingeroo uh, TikTok, it um it did some numbers. 
But I guess that's the point of social media these days because information is consumed so quickly. No one has time to read a whole page of a backstory of a logo. Yeah. So I think if you're comparing yourself to stuff you see on all social media, you've got to bear in mind that it's being put out there for one reason and one reason only, to look nice for thousands of people. Yeah. Yep. And you also never know how many hours went, went into that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, could have taken a very long time. Mm. But I think I I I just wanted to raise this up. I'd written this down. Um, just that statement that I seen when I was doing a little bit of research. Um, and it was there's no quantitative way to measure what a good job is in artistic areas. And I think that's a fair point when you're coming to compare yourself to others. What you classify, or what other people classify as good, you might not, and what the public deems good you might not so i think it's kind of important to realize where you're at and don't compare yourself to others and just take the race at your own speed because we've all been there and we're all going at different rates some people might get there quicker but there's nothing that you you just have to go at your own pace yeah it's not like your own timeline yeah Comparing yourself to someone who's been in the job, and this goes back to what you said, someone who's been in the industry 50 years, you've been in the industry two years, of course they're going to be better than you because they have the experience that you don't have. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. What would you guys say when you first started um, your job as an industry? Obviously, probably the imposter syndrome hit you straight away. I'm not sure if it did. Um, How did you deal with it? Did you ever deal with it? Um, did it hit me straight away? Um, I think I had it a little bit because my first job was where I grew up. So it was kind of like a safety net. Like I said on the last episode, I got that job because it was my old manager. So we were already friends. I already knew him. I knew that he would always like have my back when let anything kind of bad happen to me at that job. Um, and because it was local, I kind of felt like a little safety net. But then when I moved up here, it's like 200 miles from home. And then it kind of hit me like immediately. I was like, ah, God, if this goes wrong, this is very bad. I'm in like a 12 month contract now. I can't just like, if this, if I mess this up, this is not good. This is not good times for me. And I think that really like set it off for me. Would you say that when you joined here, you kind of felt part of part two sort of fear that your true abilities will be found out did you feel like yeah i think so good now that your now that your actions have consequences yeah i think it was a combo of both i was aware that like oh i'm like really new to this job like everything is completely new like putting things in the right place doing things timing things um i hadn't timed work in my previous job that wasn't a thing that uh, happened there don't know if it does now um so I was completely new to that and having that pressure of like, this is a time job, I've got an hour to do this, um, combined with the suddenly there's massive stakes at play. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was imposter syndrome, like massively yeah. <laughs> for me. I, it's almost like I have like two versions. So when I was at uni, it was more, I'm, I was comparing myself to others, didn't feel like I was good enough compared to other people's work. Because you're just surrounded by 30, 40 people. 
Yeah. And you see their work all the time. It's kind of like competition where you're trying to be the best in the class. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then when you come here, because you're all in it together, you are just like, you don't want to let the team down. You don't want to be the, the person that messes up. And you go back to what you said, you don't want to get found out, even though there's nothing to find out. Yeah, like people know that you're new. Like it's, if you said, I don't know how to do that, like people aren't operating under this like grand assumption that you're secretly a creative director with 50 years experience at 22. Yeah. People know that you're 22 and you left uni a year ago. Like that's not new info to people. So when you don't know how to do things, people mm-hmm. aren't like, oh my God, what? Get her out. Yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, she doesn't know it. She probably hasn't learned that yet. Or did you? So three months. Gone. Got yeah. probation period. Yeah. Thanks. I think um, like the main thing is you got hired for a reason. That your bosses that hired you, they've been in the game ages. They know what they're looking for. They haven't pulled you off the street and expecting you to do some madness. Mm-hmm. It's not luck. It's not luck. Because back to the point three, it's in fact as such as luck. You got the job for a reason. You got the job because you are good enough. Or if you're a freelance, people come to you with work because you are good. It's yeah. not you haven't fumbled your way through. If you're if you, yeah if you're two years into a job, and you're still getting imposter syndrome, which everyone will, and you think it's because of luck. That I, it may be that, that that job might not be for you. If you are constantly feeling doubt in your abilities, and if you had all the confidence in the world, would you be would you still be conflicted about what you were doing? I think it's the environment you're working in. It's a big thing. Yeah. Because if you have a support network around you, like you say, Shauna, of like if your team supports you and stuff, um, then they they can help you with any worries you have. But if it's like a doggy dog environment, like Wolf of Wall Street type of thing, which I don't yeah. know how it is, but if it could true. be, <laughs> then of course, of course, you're going to have imposter syndrome a lot more. Yeah. And I also think something that really helped me was knowing that even the greatest creatives have imposter syndrome even they make mistakes sometimes and have flaws this is something our creative director was telling us yesterday that even he feels out of place or not good enough sometimes yeah so yeah everyone has it yeah it comes from everyone i think everyone makes mistakes everyone will no one is perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Just learning how to like manage it more no. than anything. Because it's would... like you said, Julia, like if a creative director has it and he's got twenty odd years of experience and he was fairly certain that like it's never going away, like this is he always will have that forever. Um, you've kind of just got to like learn to make your peace with it, I guess. Yeah. And find ways I think he said he uses it more as a motivator. And that pushes him to be better. So that's like his coping mechanism, I guess, with it. What would you say? How would you say you deal with yours? I just, I think I just, in the nicest way, more ignore them. I guess ignore is not the right way to describe it, but thinking to yourself that you're not good enough, thinking to yourself that you could be better. Yes, you can push yourself to be better, but thinking negative thoughts about yourself doesn't help anyone. It doesn't do you any good to say, I'm terrible. So I think trying to almost filter out what you can, what you, your thoughts are saying 
you are, I think you are good enough. You just have to learn to ignore the self-doubt in you. Stop looking at what other people are doing. And that was actually, is another uh, quote that I've seen that's kind of relevant to this. Go to other artists for technical skills. So look at inspiration online for technical skills and inspiration in that sense. But for self-esteem and confidence, don't do that. <laughs> that's a really good point. Yeah, so go to the public, go to friends, go to family, even clients. Go to them for a boost in, in self-esteem. Yeah, because they, they know the good about you've done. Yeah. Yeah. I think going back to the point of you were saying your inner self-doubt, the inner monologue that's always yeah. saying you can't do this. What I do is Never I flip on your it. shoulder. Yeah, yeah, I like flip it and I think, well, I'm going to prove that wrong. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So like when I first joined Ginger Root, I had imposter syndrome because I was like, oh, I've come straight from uni, um, put into a, a job which I have a lot of responsibility to not mess it up. So I thought, and that was in my head, but I thought, no, I'm going to prove this voice wrong and say so I'm going to do even better than they would even believe. Yeah. Have you? I don't know. Oh. I reckon I have. Is it, well, has it came back? Um, yeah. Yeah, it always does. Because, like, each job, it gets more responsibility, more responsibility. Yeah, and as time goes on as well, you'll be given. I think it's kind of a good thing. Do you know what I mean? Never ever to be comfortable in anything, because then you're always on your toes, always aware of what you're putting out, you're double-checking everything. And that, that goes back to, like, if you're constantly getting better. If you, if you constantly think to yourself, I'm not good enough. But you're putting in the work to improve yourself, improve your abilities, whatever. You're going to prove that wrong, if that makes sense. So, oh, you know, inside your head, you're not good enough. Well, I'll make myself better. I'll courses. I'll start a program that I haven't. I'll learn a new technique. I'll improve my workflow, whatever it is. It doesn't even have to be profession related. Be in your personal life if you're getting nagging of self-doubt if you can improve yourself I've seen suggestions for meditation as well don't know if anyone's ever tried that I have I have, I have tried meditation how was that for you? Uh, good I think uh, I mean I've tried meditation in the past uh, before for like uh, not imposter syndrome but just like general self-doubt negative thought spirals yeah Um. And it's really helpful. I would always recommend it to people. Just getting into the um, like practice and getting into the habit of just seeing your thoughts as just they come and they go. Mm-hmm. And they're just... Your brain has so many millions of thoughts a day. Probably like 80% are useless. Completely useless. Like, oh, I saw like a pigeon today. Oh, I saw the sun today. Like, that's just completely meaningless thought. So just not attaching meaning to what you're thinking and just seeing it go past. And then if it's a negative thought and you're like attaching something to that, to just take a moment and think, okay, so I thought I rubbish uh, my job. Then take five minutes and think, okay, so why do I think that? What is actually the evidence here? And if it's something like, okay, my boss fired me, that's pretty good evidence, (laughs) isn't it? I'm bad at my job. But aside from that, if there's no real concrete evidence to it, it's probably just... Rational lines, yeah. Yeah, so just don't attach meaning to thoughts because 
they're always you always have negative thoughts just see them come like acknowledge them think is there anything that i can use to evidence this thought if yeah. not let it go let it just wash out the window of your brain the um is it the the help for anxiety if you've got a a negative thought in your head just think will this matter in 10 minutes if it's it will this matter in 10 days will this matter in 10 years yeah and it just helps to kind of contextualize things like you may be blowing something way out of proportion and i think i read this in a book some book i read it said you are not your thoughts so kind of treat yeah. treat your thoughts as an external voice that's not you and then try to assess them and see is this a valid thought is this going to help me move forward improve or not power of now yeah power of now i think it was yeah, yeah. eckhart tolle great book by the way yeah. great book read it. i read all right i read Recom- here archie's book recommendation yeah. of the week it's not gonna be a weekly it's thing i do not read enough but well right. next week is darby wimpy kid it's a book i think we're coming to the end of this episode um sean i think you had something you wanted to mention oh yes we do we have exciting news we are branching out into doing live instagram sessions um unscheduled because we like being spontaneous um nothing to do with the fact that we are very busy yeah absolutely (laughs) not uh so we've got some unscheduled tea breaks coming up over the next next few months i guess um where we'll be putting out sort of an hour beforehand that we're going live uh have a cup of tea of course cup of tea and a natter i think is the the working title at the moment um and everyone is welcome to just join the instagram live we'll either be chatting there or we'll be working on something basically we're just using it as an excuse to have tea break yeah that works yeah. and you're invited to join us yes I know so please do yes <laughs> well I think that's that for this episode I hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next week see you next week oh. Oh.